Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, we're live. It's going to be a great day here on the Helping Friendly Podcast. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful day. Brian is here with his flannel. Jonathan is here. Megan's here. I'm here. We're just wearing regular clothes, but Brian. I have a cool sweater on, though. Look. You do? Okay, sorry. Oh, that yeah. Cool. Awesome. Woo-hoo. I have Bush, a great Bobby Weir t shirt. It's a. Uh, That's cool. Bobby okay, Weir yeah. play on a Marty Robbins oh. album cover. It's dope. It's Megan's song to sweater. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's great. That's a, it's, it's very, um, it's, it matches your personality. Um, Thanks. Guys, we're here to talk about 2013 fish. Finally. We're finally here. Oh. You guys believe it? I'm so excited. Log. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a lot. There's a lot to talk about. Um, should we listen to a voicemail before we start just to like get warmed Always. up? Always. I forgot yeah. about voicemail. I'm nervous for yeah. some reason. I don't know, my stomach hurts. Okay, let's hear it. I got nothing to prepare for on this one. I feel like I knew the other ones. Let's go, let's go. You know, Megan, I was reading t- this week about oh, um, the connection between your brain and your stomach. Mm-hmm. And like that idea of like gut feelings and stuff is because there are like millions of actual like nerve centers in your stomach that communicate with your brain, which I didn't like. I knew that that was a thing, but I didn't realize how much of a thing it was. So your brain's trying to tell you something, which is probably that we have an awesome voicemail, but let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's find out. 
I'd like my brain and gut to stop communicating around like I don't know eight o'clock at night and just like yeah. let me be. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. So this is going to happen. I forget what happened last time, but it's a it's a it's a um, it's a tab thing. It's a tab thing, right? Hmm. All right. <clears throat> Let's start with this one. HF Pod call line. This is epic. I support it wholeheartedly. Thank you. This is Johnny B from the small first state of Delaware. Um, first, I want to say thank you and thank you to Osiris Media because I've stood at a computer at my house and look at a screen for multiple hours, <laughs> which is okay. It's not bad. I get paid for it. Um, but it's fucking cool as shit when I can listen to other people, especially you guys and other Osiris podcasts, nerd out about fish and other cool bands. So. First of all, thank you. Second of all, this call is for Meg, because Meg is a shit. I mean, let's just, you know, say what it is. Um, and I really like Meg's Corner, but I'm like, let's just bring back the music. I know it's extra work, RJ, when you do the editing. I don't it's think it's that much extra work. It's I think it would true. add a lot of production value. Um, I would enjoy it a lot. So if that can happen, great. If not, hey, too much work. I understand. No worries. All right. Excuse me, best. Fish memory that I have is I went to Halloween because I was living in the South. Um, so I could see some other bands when Fish was on tour and I was still living there. And the first night of Halloween, Fish played the Wingsuit album in Atlantic City. I saw String Cheese. The second night of Halloween was one of the worst storms ever at any festival, destroyed like tents, campsites, like the whole show got rained out. Some of the place the next day was flooded. Um, so we sat in our car getting pelted by rain and wind, re-listening to that show. So basically my fish memory was listening to a brand new set of music in my car uh, instead of being to see any live music at a Halloween. And that was ingrained in my mind, but that was my 2013 fish experience as far as getting as close to anything live which was not that close um hey love the hotline keep it up guys see you later bye look at that that was, that was awesome. a great message that really yeah. much appreciated big memory uh, too yeah i just want to give a production i just want to give a shout out to like fish memories like that because i, I have mm -hmm. a similar one waiting in line to get into coventry and they started broadcasting 8 12 2004 which it says it all right there they started playing a 2004 show and everybody got silent and uh <laughs> and probably mad i think brian is probably upset right now that he is well okay in lieu of what brian was going to say let's just listen to one more voicemail while brian yeah. gets his gets his shit together here um colorado is just hard with 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 internets all right ready yes let's do it hey guys my name is uh dan and uh i just wanted to say i love the uh, hotline idea i'm a big fan of the pod and uh i thought it was kind of interesting because uh you know, I just finished listening to your uh, 2012 40 for 40 uh, show on the way into work. And uh, great. I'm loving the 40 for 40s. Love the quick hits after the shows. You know, I don't always listen to the shows, but I always listen to the quick hits. And uh, so I know where the highlights are. 
but I thought it was kind of funny because you guys uh, said, you know, you want some more geographical diversity than just Hamilton, Ontario. Because uh, Ryan left a few in there. And, uh, well, I'm actually from Hamilton, Ontario myself as well. So uh, <laughs> got it. I was shocked. I, did, I didn't realize he was from the same city as me because uh, I'm pretty into the local jam bands here. And there's a lot of great music in Hamilton. And, uh, yeah, I'm surprised I never ran into him. But, uh, yeah, I, I love the show. And, uh, Meg, also, I love your, your Snarky Puppy podcast with Ryan. I've uh, been listening to that, and I just got a chance to see them for the first time earlier this year. So that was great. But I do have uh, – I got two things. I got a hot take about fish, nice. and I got a, uh, you know, a little bit of a, an opinion, too. My hot take is that Slave is nothing but a budget hood. <laughs> and my opinion also is that uh, I think you guys need to uh, give Mike Gordon a little bit more credit for his uh, his songs and his original output. Uh, I'm a bass player myself, and uh, I love uh, love Mike Gordon band. I'd love to see you guys covers, but maybe some. There's a couple shows from 2015, 2016 that are absolutely killer that I think uh, might turn you around on it. But either way, enjoy. Love the pod. Keep it up. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Wow. Look at can, that. Can I, awesome. can I addri- address some things? I know Megan probably should too, but first yeah. of all, um, young Ryan gets called out, uh, not supporting the local scene. Way to go, guy. <laughs> Always on the road and leaving your local bands hanging. Uh, two, get in your emails, guy. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't catch his name. Did you catch his name? Dan? With names. Dan, thank you. Dan, get in your emails and send us the dates. And yeah. We'll consider... After the forty by forty thing, we'll consider doing a Mike yeah, I think so. Gordon band show. I think it's fair. I, I don't think any of us dislike Mike. I think we all love Mike Gordon's bass playing activity. He's he's good at that. Yeah. Well, and, uh, yeah, that was super helpful, to... though. Yeah, no, that was good. It's good. I, I didn't want to interrupt Jonathan, but I do. I do just want to say that I guess our hotline is now like call if you do or don't know Ryan. Like everyone who calls us is like that's like the whole. I mean, I think everybody the... should let us know where they stand on the knowing Ryan thing. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a part. It's like an important, yeah, thing to point out. But thank you. That callers, these calls are awesome. First of all, really I awesome. think it's a good idea to to think about Mike's contributions and his. I don't know a lot of his solo work, so I would totally be open to looking into that. And thanks for the things of gold shout out to. That was really nice. Go watch the movies. Um, I would say I understand why Brian's having trouble with internet. It's because um, the internet, as you all may or may not know, is a series of pipes, and pipes work better downhill. And he's being him being up in Colorado. The uphill thing is a problem. That's a good point. I never really thought about that. Yeah, but Brian, you're here. We're all here. I don't know if it's a good point, but it's a point. I'll give you that. You know, I I have made one. Yes, it's a a theory. Uh, We all are. So theories are welcome. I just want to, sh- um, the first caller, Johnny from Delaware, I-, I will add Meg's Corner music back. And you're right. I mean, it, you know, to be honest, it's, it's a miracle that the show even gets made, but, um, it doesn't take <laughs> that much. It doesn't take that much more time to add Meg's Corner music back in, which we will get to in a minute. Brian, tell us where, you, where were you in 2013 personally and fish wise? Lots. Uh, personally, I left uh, the U.S. on March 1st and flew over to South Korea to go back and teach English for a year. Um, my wife and I got married about six months earlier. We had like a big 
let's just completely change our lives for the last time uh, type of revelation experience. We were in our late 20s and we're like, we have one more chance. Let's move abroad again. Let's save a bunch of money. Let's run a marathon. Let's dive wholeheartedly into the things that we're really passionate about. And let's travel around the world. And so we left in early March 2013. We wouldn't return to the U.S. until July 2014. Spent a year living in Korea and then traveled around Southeast Asia for early 2014. But 2013 was this like year of I, I ran my second marathon, and it's easily the hardest I've ever trained for a marathon. It was I was running constantly, I was writing a ton. Um, I had two blogs I was writing, one that was very fish centric, one that was more general music and travel centric. Uh, I was reading a lot. I was just like I was at a peak peak period in my life. I. Uh, when I think about my like 2013 for me, it is like peak physical fitness, peak diet, peak understanding of like who I am as a person, peak reading, peak music, peak movies, like everything that I ever want to do in like my free time all goes back to the way I was in 2013. So it's a very pivotal year for me. I also met RJ. Um, I was writing a lot uh, for, for a blog I did called Tackle and Lines and RJ took notice. We started talking. He had just launched this really cool podcast. Um, so I started talking on that and talked at length and at length and at length. Met, met people like Josh Carver, who's become one of my best friends. Uh, just an amazing year from a fish standpoint. Like We went into this year knowing this was the 30th anniversary, but they didn't have any shows planned until July. So I spent a lot of the first half of the year listening to a lot of other music while also continuing to dive back into aspects of Fish's back catalog that I was still unfamiliar with. Um, but when they came back, I mean, I think that summer was really solid. We had a really, really solid summer tour. We had a really just important moment historically with the tweezer jam from Tahoe that ended up um, uh, eclipsing 30 minutes for the first time in, I believe, nine years at that point, um, and really showcasing the band's continued development from an improvisational standpoint. The fall tour that we're going to talk about is um, still one of my favorite fish tours of all time. Uh, I, I have it in just like really high regard for the 3.0, 4.0 era, but just fish in general. It just sounds like this pure classic version, very happy, but like exploratory, joyful, uh, but still like willing to get weird era of fish. Obviously, Wingsuit and the um, surprise debut of 12, 13 new originals uh, changed the trajectory of Fish 3.0 in a lot of ways. And then we had this uh, uh, MSG New Year's run where they didn't play a single cover other than Odd Lang Syne and they really embraced who they were. I don't want to step too much into Meg's corner here, but you know, just in terms of Fish 2013, this is a very joyful, but also a very transformational period in the band's history that I'm really, really excited to talk in detail about specifically about this show. Jonathan. Were you peak physical fitness diet <laughs> and all I, those things also? I was a much better physical fitness. I was approaching 40, which means I was not yet 40, which is much better right than now. approaching what I'm approaching now. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I was, I, you know, I'd been on a, a little fish hiatus. I was listening to them, but they weren't playing uh, during the first half of the year, as Brian wisely correctly points out. I was, um, uh, I, you know, I had 
three kids in the house. It was awesome, as as you know, RJ knows. But my youngest was five, and my eldest was seventeen. So it was a bit of a gap because one could drive, which was both glorious and stressful. And um, I was seeing a lot of other bands. And I got excited for Fish again in that summer. And then they announced Hampton shows. And I was like, well, obviously, I got to go to Hampton because it's home field. So we go. And we did. And uh, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about one of those in a little bit. But it wasn't even my pick. Which is nice. Uh, so that's that's kind of where I was. Awesome. How about that? That's great. Megan, what about you? Yeah, I was living in London during this time. And I had a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And I was listening to a lot of music on my iPod, running a lot through Hyde Park. I was going to see a lot of shows in London, a lot of theater. And I saw the best hip-hop show I've ever seen in my entire life that year. I saw Jurassic 5 at the Brixton Academy. And it was the sickest, most energetic, most smelly, packed show I've ever seen in my entire life. And it was so fun. And they performed just an incredible show. And then they sat at the edge of the stage and signed autographs and hung out for like hours after the show. That band is just tremendous. And if you don't know Jurassic 5, you should if you like hip hop. Um, but yeah, I was kind of removed from Fish. I didn't go home for very long that summer. And when I did, it didn't overlap with Fish Tour at all. So I didn't see Fish at all this year, um, which is one of the only years that I didn't see them in 3.0. So it was, I felt pretty removed from it. I wouldn't really start streaming or anything until 2015. Um, it was actually fairly well that like got me into streaming because um, I really wanted to see that. But um, I guess we'll talk about that in 2015. But yeah, I was just kind of like listening to these shows, like if someone would send me one and be like, the show was great, you know, you should hear what they did. I listened to it, but I wasn't, I just wasn't super, super kind of connected. So going back and listening to all this has just been unbelievable. This week has been so much fun for me. I This fall tour is just, it's so magical. And I've really loved how diverse all of the improv is. I can't wait to talk about the show. That's awesome. Yeah, there's so much to talk about in this year, which we will. Um, yeah, to, I mean, for me, like Brian mentioned, we started the podcast in 2013. And this is for me when like the modern era of fish began for me. Mm-hmm. And maybe I, I think for a lot of people, too. Can I interrupt and just yeah. pile on to the podcast thing? Because yeah. I was listening to the podcast pretty soon after you started. I don't think I listened to like the very first ones, but that's good. A couple episodes, yeah. <laughs> a couple episodes in, I, I got into it. And it was actually um, so I was definitely a regular listener by fall tour, and it was actually at Halloween was when I started engaging with you directly, RJ. Maybe there had been some Twitter engagement before that, you know, we were, but it was after that. And, you know, I wrote a lot about Halloween on the train to Atlantic City um, on Twitter and whatnot. And that we started and we started talking and that led to my first appearance on this show early in the following year. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I... I didn't really expect it to turn into anything really, but especially not like, I don't think it, I credit the pod starting the podcast with making me care about fish again, like in the modern Mm -hmm. era. Totally. I think we thought it was just going to be like going back to shows and talking to fans about their favorite shows. I don't think we like really envisioned that it would like 
lead us to going to many more shows and meeting people at shows and having sort of a resurgence, which is great. Um, but this, it is, a, this is like the beginning of 3.0 for me, or at least the beginning of the real part of 3.0. It's when it really became the good part. <laughs> yeah. Viable. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, a I mean, cool future. Still, yeah. There's Go still ahead, some, like, as we're going to, like see in like 2014 2016 there's still like certain things to work through but this is really the year where they kind of leave the nostalgic aspect of coming back in 3.0 behind and it's interesting you know when you started the podcast rj because at the time there were a few other like audio programs about fish one thing that differentiated you guys and and i kind of want to jump into rj corner for one second because this is the 10-year anniversary of this tour this show but also this podcast that has become a huge part of all of our lives and for our listeners like a huge part of their lives as someone who was a listener once like a regular listener and still is but you know is now on the show like i this was a huge thing for me when this came out i didn't i had yet to hear a podcast dedicated to fish that very simply just loved fish and wanted to mm. understand why other people loved fish the way that they did and in different ways that they loved fish. And it was one of the things that attracted me to you guys immediately was you would have people that we knew of, you know, famous people on the show. You would also have just like, hey, this random guy who likes this one show and is very passionate about it and has like big thoughts about it. You had this huge range of the fan base. I'm curious when you guys started and, you know, if there was any intentionality with like 2013, but you know, was there like a drive on your end that like there was something missing or was it just you wanted a chance to like explore why you cared about fish or what was it that kind of drove you to start all this? Yeah, thanks. Um, Well, yeah, part of it was like, I think the dialogue that existed was mostly like the fishnet um, veterans, which is fine. Like they're all friends and that's great. But I I think it was like a, I think there was an, like a, a class system in fish fandom there kind of still is and now we're in a different class than we were when we started but the all four of us but like you know what even if we we want to or not that's just like how people see it but you know it's like sort of like there were there's a small group of people who kind of set the opinions of what happens with fish and what's good and what's not good and and a lot of like 3.0 talk was just so negative and so snarky like i think that was one of the main things and brad and i had both been listening to the dead pod for years who you know that guy the professor he's still going every week um still check him out the show plays half a show (laughs) and he did that's kind of like where we started we were like we could just play we could just put a fish set on here and talk a little bit about it and then like get more people you know, engaged in talking about, it. but I think it was trying to bring people, more people into the conversation have people share their memories and things mm-hmm. like that. And we kind of started doing that right away. I think the first two or three episodes were just me and Brad, which are really bad. Um, the recording quality is bad. The conversation is probably not very good, but, but we had fun, you know, so we kept, we just kept going, but yeah, I think it was like trying to bring more voices into it, you know, which, which I think we, I think we accomplished. Um, and you're continuing to accomplish that too. Thanks. I would say we all are yeah. together. Here we go. All did, of us. Yeah. Last question about all this, but did you find like as the year went along and you know things fall to? I mean, obviously, like the Tahoe Tweezer was a huge inflection moment. There were a lot of people that 
that was when I was introduced to like Mike Hamad and his jam charts. Um, shout out to my drive-in jam coffee mug. Uh, it was the first time I saw him post What's something that was like, oh my God, this is what the music looks like on a piece of paper. Uh, Rob Mitchum was writing a lot at the time. Uh, Wally Holland, Wax Banks was writing just brilliantly at the time about fish. There were these moments throughout the year to me, from my perspective, that were like kind of like a return for a lot of people and a return to a less snarky way of talking about fish and all, and almost a, okay, this band is really taking it seriously. We should probably take this seriously as well. Shout out as well to the baby's mouth, a huge, huge part of the uh, discourse in 2013. But did you find as the year went along, like we kind of have to keep this thing going and uh, evolve and adjust it all because yeah. the band is taking it seriously? Yeah, and and other fans like bringing Zach and Andy on to the show, and and Mike, and you know Scott Bernstein, and everyone who's involved. I mean, by the time I went to Jones Beach, which I went to the second show, and or the thir- the thirteenth, I don't know if there were two shows. I think there maybe there were. I went to the Merryweather night. You went to two nights of Merryweather. Two Jones nights of Merryweather, and then one one Jones Beach, which at Jones oh, Beach I met I met like dozens of people for the first time from Twitter, you know, and I think mm. that's like it just became a little bit more of a community thing pretty fast. And I think that was just timing, you know? Um, and then I went to the second night and first, first and second night of AC. And like, by that time there were like, there's like a group of like 50 people on the floor together who were all like Twitter people. This was when Twitter was like, you know, it, it brought people really fun and, and, and nice and yeah. very yeah. un Nazi. Yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah. Everyone, everyone like got along, and it was. I mean, there was always like weird drama because it's weird fish people, but but it was fun, and and anyway, yeah, it's really pretty great, um, really great. So, yeah, we had a. I mean, it's crazy. It's been this long. We also had our first kid in 2013, which was like I think I've said that before that I started this project like two weeks before we had our or two months before we had our first kid, which was like surprising to my wife, but. You know, it, it it all like worked itself out. I did a lot of recording in the early days with like our kid in a little you know chair next to next to the desk. Um, so anyway, it's just a, a very important year. And on a musical level, for me personally, is the first time I was paying attention to every show and listening right away and hearing different things and hearing different improv. Probably for the first time since like '99. You know, I really felt like mm-hmm. they were like they were back, like you said, Brian. And you know, I don't know if they were. I think they were just finally hitting their stride, you know, in the modern era, which is, which was really exciting. And really like, I wish I could say that I, I did, I started the podcast because I saw that, but I think it all just worked timing wise convenient, you know, but, um, and attendance bias, Brian. So the, the, that was one show, the cold, it was cold, it was windy, it was rainy. And then at the end of the first set, it stopped raining and then the second set was amazing a lot of people left so there was like so much room they played a great great jones beach set. you're talking about for those jones beach yeah. yep yeah mm-hmm. sorry yeah jones beach um it was like complete with the sleeping monkey encore which is just like a you know it, it was a it was a that was a really fun fun show it's because i wasn't there so you know they played a good show at jones beach <laughs> Yeah, I, I know yeah. two people who left after set one. I will, I will not embarrass them by naming their names, yes. but uh, they they are filled with regret. Is all I do can you, say. Do you mock yeah. them regularly, at least in private? Yes. Okay, good. Number Rock one, you just don't leave a fish show. Early. You never leave no. a fish show. Don't my leave God. until the lights come on. I, I so. a lot of my friends left. I did not leave. Rock and roll, two thousand one, Tweezers, Cities, oh. great show. Um, 
anyway, so sorry, I just wanted to put this one thing up here before we get into Meg's corner. When in, when you talk in 2024, when you talk about 2023, and you talk about what movies were popular, will you mention the Taylor Swift movie? Yes, of course. Um, one hundred percent. It is it's I, unbelievable. It's, Can't wait to talk about it. I don't know if it's going to end up being bigger than Barbenheimer, but like it's up there with Barbenheimer in terms of popularity. So surely, Brian, you have to see it, Brian, like soon. I will. Nineteen eighty nine is probably going to be in the albums in the culture corner from Brian here in just a little bit. So everybody mm-hmm. buckle up because that wasn't sure. that twenty thirteen. Yep, twenty fourteen. But we got twenty fourteen next year. Next year. I don't know, yeah. man. I don't do math. I just know the new one just came out. Year. The yeah. new one came out. Taylor Swift came amazing. out yesterday or Friday. And it was great. Everyone loves it. Okay. Yeah. Drum roll, please. Music. Cue the music. Intern. All right, Megan, what do we got? Hi, everyone. Welcome to Meg's Corner. So in 2013, there is 41 shows. So just a few more than 2012. Um, But they're going to have, again, we know this summer tour, which is in the Northeast, the Southeast. They're going to play in Northern Island in Chicago. A rescheduled date in Toronto and then go to the West Coast. And then they'll end the summer for the fourth time at Dick's. And in the fall tour, they're going to kick it off at Hamden, which we're going to talk about today. Can't wait. And I also feel like this third night of Hampton is exactly what we were talking about when we did our quick hits recap about Chicago this year. This is how you want to like end a run. You want to like build up to a show like this on the third night. So I'm really excited to get into that too. Then of course we have some Northeast dates. Then we've got Atlantic City for the Halloween wingsuit set. And then we have, as Brian mentioned, an only originals New Year's Eve run at MSG, culminating with the Jump Truck set for their 30th anniversary. We have two box sets that came out this year. We've got Ventura, which is recorded on July 30th and July 20th. Well, July 30th from 97 and July 20th from 98. Then we also have the Niagara Falls box set, which is recorded on December 7th, 1995. And from archival releases, we have the May 3rd, 1993 New Jersey show from the State Theater. I think we talked about that at some point recently. And then we also have um, the April, or sorry, June 20th, 1995, the Blossom show that's released archivally. And then we have one live bait that's released um, on June, but from June 15th, 1995 through all the way to 2012. So a bunch of different stuff on that live bait. And Trey has got a limited edition vinyl, which is gonna come out, which is called Blue Ash and Other Suburbs, which is outtakes from the Traveler Sessions. And Paige also released a really cool album called Unsung Cities and Movies Never Made. I love that album, it's so great. And for debuts, we have 21 debuts this year, 13 originals, of course, the wingsuit sets, and also two Gordon songs. And I think that's it. Amazing. We do have to talk about this show at some point, but Brian, I assume that you have something that you want to say about just about about life in 2013. Said a lot about life. I can say more about life. I saw a lot of Korean baseball games this year. Uh, if, if people want to <laughs> talk through that, um, I'm happy to, to chat about that. But um, in terms of what was going on in the greater world outside of fish, 2013 is just a monumental year. Okay. Uh, it, you just have to reckon with the fact that we are dealing with some of the best fish and some of the best culture in the world. So 
movie wise, I apologize. This is going to be long, but I don't apologize because this is all incredible, incredible stuff. Um, Francis Ha, which uh, wasn't the first time we saw Greta Gerwig, but it was uh, it was a starring role for her you know, Bombach movie. Amazing stuff. Before Midnight, the final trilogy of Richard Linklater's um, uh, Before Sunrise, uh, Before oh Sunset, God. Before Midnight trilogy. Just amazing, amazing <laughs> dialogue. Like one of the best relationship movies I've ever seen. Uh, this is the end. Blue Jasmine, Drinking Buddies, great mumblecore movie. All Cops, very weird All Cops, but All Cops Prisoners, one of my favorite movies I've ever seen, even though it like terrifies me. It's that movie will stunning. fuck you up. That movie will Big fuck time. you up. Big time. Uh, the, the twitch in Jake Gyllenhaal's eye, just unreal stuff. Uh, Gravity, <laughs> Captain Phillips, an incredible Tom Hanks performance. Uh, 12 Years a Slave, which won Best Picture, which is just a monumental achievement. Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, Nebraska, Alexander Payne's film uh, about life in rural Nebraska, shot in black and white, just a beautiful, quiet, small movie. I love it. Uh, Frozen, a movie that um, dominates my household right now because my daughter runs around the house singing Let It Go at every chance she gets. Uh, Inside, Lewin Davis. American Hustle, a movie that begs the question, if it looks good, if it feels good, but there's nothing inside, is it actually a movie? I don't really know, but I love watching it. Uh, Her, one of my favorite movies, maybe my mm. favorite movie from 2013, and The Wolf of Wall Street, uh, which I just rewatched Amazing. in anticipation of Killers of the Flower Moon. And um, I got to tell you, if you haven't seen that in a while, please go back and watch it. It's on Netflix. It is monumental achievement for Marty, for Leo, for Margot. It is just incredible, incredible stuff. Just rocked my world in a way I'd forgotten. Um, I think that's albums. the best Leo performance, I will say. I think that's the best Leo performance. I agree. His his Killers of the Flower Moon is my favorite performance of his since Wolf of Spoilers. Wall Street. Spoilers. I'm going this afternoon. Mm. I'm not going to say anything else. I'm just saying his his performance in this is, is my favorite mm. since Wolf of Wall Street. But going back and watching Wolf of Wall Street, the speech he gives when he decides in the moment that he is saying, fuck you to the SEC, and he is staying at the firm – uh, it's just, there's, that is acting. Like if that's the scene when acting, he's falling out, like of the car or trying to get into the car, that whole scene, the, the physicality the of that is, unreal. Yeah. is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You know, you went through that long list of movies and I was like, mm, don't think I've seen that. Don't really remember that. Don't remember that. And then you got to gravity and I was like, Biggest disappointment in a film in so long. I was just really? so rooting for Sandra Bullock to die through that whole damn thing. <laughs> and, like you were like, finally, it's going to happen. They're going to kill her on screen. They kill such a disappointment. Um, <laughs> all right, albums. This is there is a lot of music this year, and I want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to throw a few albums out there. Um, this is as all-consuming as it can get, but I know that there are more out there. Um, there just are some amazing records that came out in 2013. So we've got Deaf Heaven's Sunbather, My Bloody Valentine's MBV, Nils Fromm's Spaces, Jason Isbell's Southeastern, Danny Brown Old, The Hacks and Cloak Excavation, a stunning record. Um, I cannot recommend it enough. John Hopkins' Immunity, The Nationals, Trouble Will Find Me, the original Run the Jewels album, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Push the Sky Away, Julia Holter, Loud City Song, the last great Kanye West record, Yeezus, came out, amazing stuff. 
Uh, Tim Hecker's Virgins, Daft Punk's Random Access Memories, a record that is derided for very strange ways. I love it. It still holds up a ton for me. Uh, Janelle Monet's The Electric Lady, David Bowie's The Next Day, William Tyler, Impossible Truth, Vampire Weekend, Modern Vampires of the City, my favorite album of 2013. Juliana Barwick, Depend, uh, Kurt Vile, Waking on the Pretty Days, Boards of Canada, Tomorrow's Harvest, Yola Tango Fade, amazing late period record for them. Savages, Silence Yourself, the first King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard album I listened to, Float Along, Fill Your Lungs. Uh, the Knife's Shaking the Habitual, Earl Sweatshirt, Doris, Grouper, The Man Who Died in His Boat, uh, Own Tricks Point Nevers, R Plus 7, Bill Callahan's Dream River, Steve Gunn's Time Off, Dark Side Psychic, Dawn of Midi Dysnomia, Phosphorescent Muchacho, Deer Hunter Monomania, Thundercat Apocalypse, Lord Pure Heroine, Waxahachie Cerulean Salt, the first time I heard Waxahachie, Heim, Days Are Gone, Parquet Courts, Light Up Gold, Jai Paul's self-titled record, Chance the Rapper's Acid Rap, and Sky Fiera's Nighttime, My Time. It is just a jam-packed year with incredible stuff. Jonathan, is there anything that I have overlooked? Is there anything I've forgotten about? Dude, how much time you got? No, I'm kidding. Um, I have one, just one that I want to bring up is because um, you, you listed a couple that uh, we could spend more time talking about, but... Um probably several but uh alex bleaker and the freaks how far away mm-hmm. alex bleaker is in uh real estate he's now in taper's choice also uh but this was i don't know if it was his first but it's like the first solo record of his that i picked up is on woodsist and it is still a favorite we listened to it last night um and it is just dreamy beautiful little songs good stuff anybody else got anything Everyone you got it. I think you, you had a really great list. Yeah. It's a lot. I would, this is a huge year. I would say that I'm, I was surprised going back 10 years that some of these artists that have made really amazing albums in the past, like two or three years yep. were like, I didn't know that Waxahachie had, I didn't re- realize that that album came out 10 years ago. Like I, I kind of like, I know was, I was surprised such a too. great album. Like what, four years ago, the, the last one, mm-hmm. just like, I didn't know that Haim had been around that long. I don't know. Some surprising stuff, but I guess 10 years isn't all that long. Time keeps happening. Yeah. The, the IndieCast podcast um, that I, I work on, uh, big shout out to them. They they have a theory that 2013 is kind of this inflection point where we saw a lot of uh, 2000s era indie rock artists start to make kind of their second period work that... Um, wasn't as like transgressive was, you know, more like kind of like the nationals trouble will find me. It's like the most national record. But then you also had all these artists like Lord, Heim, Waxahachie, yeah. so on and so forth that emerge in 2013 and would start to change and take over the way that modern music has been um, kind of consumed and taken in over the last 10, 15 years. Um, it's, it's just, it's a year that feels like a lot going on artistically, both, in the larger music world and the new in the movie industry, but also um, here in the world of fish. All right. So we got to, we got to get into this show where um, we, we did a good job of spending half the show talking about other stuff or relevant stuff, which I think is great. I think we're on a good, good track here. Um, okay. So I don't know. It, it's just <laughs> sort of like coincidentally, I got to, choose to 2013 i don't remember if we did like trading or if i had to like trade a future draft pick or something but i was really happy to be able to 
choose this show because I love the show. It's one of the shows I didn't go to, but um, you know, that's just how it goes. But this to me, like I said earlier, really like the, it's right in the middle of what I feel like is the tour that really brought fish back in a serious way. And um, there's, there's so much happening here. The first set, I think we can probably like, we probably don't have to talk that much about the first set, but they did play a first set, which we should, there's a few, there's a few moments, but we get Julius funky bitch back on the train. Roses are free into sample. Ginseng 46 days divided sky bold as love. Um, and there's some stuff happening in there, but I'm going to just leave it to you guys. Who wants to, who wants to jump in with their set one thoughts? I'll go. So I've been anxious to talk about this and my theory that the reason fish is so good on this tour is because they were excited that I was back and, um, and they demonstrated it at this run. Um, the first set is, uh, like easily overshadowed by the second. It's a great set. It's solid, solid set opens with big rock pairing, Back in the train, Chugles properly. Roses Are Free has this cool little spacey bit on the end that I think everybody here wants to talk about or should talk about or whatever, because it's just, it's fucking cool. It's unique. And uh, it, it's, it really kind of portents what's to come. Uh, but then, and, and, and still in a seven-minute Roses. And then Rock, Great Ginseng Sullivan, always there for the uh, bluegrass. Um, Divided Sky had the big, uh, like during the pause, somebody pointed it out in the chat and reminded me of, you know, everybody holding up their lighters and things and, you know, fish crowd, you can actually get lighters, uh, at least then maybe less so now. Um, and it was just a nice moment during the pause, um, and a beautiful divided sky and boldest love to close set one. I, I got to feel like that is a like a thank you note or a sign they are feeling it yeah you're definitely feeling it when they play bold as love so great yeah like this is before we communicated with emojis but like that bold of love is just like page and a fire emoji like it is so (laughs) So good he is just like laying it down he's giving it all at the end of that i think this set to me stands out for its energy and its flow i think it has a really great like set listing choices all through. They come out just like rip roaring with like wild energy and it's Julius and funky bitch. The crowd is just going crazy. Like for Paige during this funky bitch, like Mike's giving it extra on the vocals. The whole kind of set has just like a little extra to it. They're playing with a little distortion during back on the train. And then like in roses, like you said, they've got that little stretch out. They can just tell they're just feeling like a little bit loose and gooey and it's, it's perfect. And yeah, the ginseng is like this is the best kind of fish bluegrass. It's like super high energy. It's in the perfect spot. Just again, really good set listing. And yeah, spicy little energized ending to 46 days. And then just boom, bold is love. Just so good. I really like this first set. It's like one of the better 3.0 first sets in like early 3.0. It's really good. Yeah, I'm on the same page with you guys. I think the only thing I would add, you know, <clears throat> our last three uh, uh, um, 44 40s, uh, 8, 15, 11, 12, 30, 12. And then this one, the first sets all, all kind of remind me of, of what made a quality first set during this period in 3.0. And this mm-hmm. was not an era where we were expecting a jam. We were not expecting a ton of like segues we were expecting and we were hoping for something like this. 
which was solid song selection that flowed really nicely and was played really well. And it's just a very different era of fish. I, I think that it'd be easy now to scoff at a set like this because it is very straightforward versions outside of that roses of songs that at the time were in the rotation or continue to be in the rotation of fish. But in 2013, when they played a set like this, and it reminds me in a sense almost of uh, the Hartford uh, first set, the, the first set of Worcester, um, 1025, uh, the first set from Reading, where not a ton of craziness happens. It's just very solid, very good foundational fish. And it's the kind of stuff you wanted when you went to a fish show during this period of time. Um, the roses, the space ending, I totally forgot about. Like that was like the one moment that kind of like I was listening through it. I was like, this is good. This is good. This is good. And then I was like, oh my God, I forgot that they like allowed themselves a little bit of expansion yeah. here. I, I did find it interesting just from a stat standpoint. This would be the last thing I say about it. But um, I was looking up roses because it's a pretty rare song nowadays. It's only been played 51 times, um, 38 times total in 3.0, 4.0. So, so the majority of versions have been since 2009, but only 10 versions since this show. So at this time, we are going through a period of like wow. from Hampton 09 to Hampton 13. Roses Are Free is played 28 times. And we're talking years where there's only like 40 shows a year. Since then, it's it's like gaps of 50, 25, 60. Like it's just, it's a pretty rare song at this point. So it's just unique to see it at this, you know, in this spot in the show, that fourth song, you get kind of the double intro of Julius Funky Bitch. I mean, triple kind of with Back on the Train that has been an opener. And then you jump into Roses and it has this weird little ending. The rest of the set is just like, it's the kind of fish that you want to flip burgers to and you want to have a beer with your friends and like hang out. And it's, it's, it's just a really good solid version of the band. Shout out Norman Blake for ginseng Sullivan. Thank you, Norman Blake. I, I just want to say that I've only seen bold as love three times. Last time was 2014 dicks. And um, I just always would like to see it. So hopefully that happens again sometime soon because I've seen it once great i've never great, seen it great cover oh my never god seen it. all right never well, seen it seven. 12 point, seven 12 29 seven 12 29 i can't wait seven yeah i feel like we've so gone Jonathan opposite shows, Jonathan. 94 yeah. 95 shows i do think this is a this is a rare not a rare but uh this is an occurrence of of age you know so not, in a, not in a bad way but like you know <laughs> you're much much more likely to catch it 93 94 and parts of and 95 right? mm-hmm. three years later precisely three years later so wow weird wow first show second show second show 10 12 28 94 and then three years later at us Air arena 97 yeah we don't really i don't think we mm-hmm. talked no enough more. about that you were at 12 28 94 but i guess that's not for today yeah yeah but i'm glad you were there it was fun all right, we're gonna. We are. If you're listening, you're gonna hear a quick break, and then we're gonna get into set two because we got a lot to say in a second. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hey listeners, I want to tell you about one of our great partners, DistroKid. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. If you're a musician and looking to get your music out there, DistroKid is the way to go. DistroKid is available for iOS and Android and is now available in Apple's App Store and the Google Play Store. More than a million artists rely on DistroKid to get their music onto Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all other major streaming services. And with DistroKid, you can upload new releases, see your financial progress, get notified when you've earned royalties, withdraw money from the app, view and share links, check your streaming stats, and a whole lot more. DistroKid has more features than any other music distributor. Check them out today. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash helping friendly. That's distrokid with a capital K dot com slash VIP slash helping friendly for a special offer. Thanks, distrokid. Okay, guys, this is we, we start off with the second set with some really solid tray banter um, about Paul and Silas. Um, and yeah, it's pretty awesome that you can hear like the entire crowd is like, are you guys prisoners or Waldo? And like the entire Waldo. arena that yells Waldo. Yeah. It's kind of awesome. Um, <laughs> and then he, what does he hey say? Man, like, this, is, this hey. isn't for you. Yeah, he's like, don't oh. enjoy it. Don't enjoy the rest it. of y'all can enjoy it. This is for this you to enjoy, you. not you. This is for you. So fun. This, um, this banter, I just want to say, was up there with the uh, like, poster that bag the right way that happened at chicago uh earlier that year like there were just moments where it seemed like the band started to become aware of the conversations that were happening online and that there mm. was this there were, there were a lot of conversations about the right way for fish to do things because they were bringing things back into the fold that hadn't been a part of fish shows since the mid-1990s and the band just playing around with their fans and being like, we're going to play a song right now, but you have to cover your ears. Almost like an earmuff moment. Uh, was just, I, I love it. It's, it's one of my favorite bits of banter the band's ever done. Audience connection really a, builds out fish. Like it really does. It's an element. Yeah. It really does. We have um, Paul and Silas into Tweezer, into Golden Age, into Piper, into Taking Care of Business, into 2001, into Sand, into Slave, the Poor Man's Hood, um <laughs> as as best as, take as, ever as pointed out by our <laughs> caller earlier love it um encore's day in the life in the tweezer reprise it's a full full segue uh second set but i just if you guys don't mind this is a top five tweezer for me of all time and i think that i think that like i like this more than the tahoe tweezer i like it more than most tweezers in in this era um just a few like this is my guidebook to this tweezer and you guys should tell me what you think, but laid out you, you know, they're, they start, he starts just Trey starts this little riff, like six and a half, seven minutes in, like you can still hear that in your minds right now. Right. you like, if you've listened mm-hmm, to it recently yeah. and it's, it's patient, it's slow, but there's like a lot of space around the notes and like, it could go anywhere, you know, it's just kind of like floating. And then around like nine minutes, Paige gets on the piano and then Trey like picks up the melody that Paige is playing and it's like slow, but it's not yeah. sluggish. It's just, it's just slowly moving along. Then Mike drops a couple of those like muddy bass bombs like he was doing in that era. Right. And then you're like in a totally different sonic space. And then Mike starts this little like two note riff and then Trey gets on that. 
with like some distortion and then he just i think he does like a little two note little like hammer on thing right where he's just like he's just it just feels like they're like riding this wave but it's also like this noise rock which i assume jonathan and brian you're like really into that kind of thing <laughs> like it's like it's like my bloody valentine in in all the best ways right there you know Very and it's such a yeah it's so and it's yeah and it's so good but the last five minutes is just like i remember sitting on my couch the next day watching because i didn't stay up in webcast because I, I had a one month old and i was just like sitting there on my couch with with my baby and watching this and the ambience and the beauty of how it all like winds down at the end it was just like a a moment that i'll never forget but Paige is like on the organ, right? The last five minutes. I think we know now that it like it basically is wingsuit. But but hearing it yeah. at the time, it yeah. sounds like they could go into Billy Breeze or swept away or what's the use. Mm. But it's just this like really patient, beautiful wind down. And I, I think at the time we knew like this was during like the two years when they didn't really play what's the use. And it kind of like interesting to me at the time, it sounded like that kind of a jam. But then I guess later we know that it probably was just like a wingsuit vibe in there but the way that winds down and the the space that they give it it just is a really just a beautiful moment in uh in fish music for me so that, that's what i got on the tweezer i didn't want to that was beautiful i, I don't yeah, want us to overlook paul and silas because i was in the room at the time and went bonkers to see paul and <laughs> silas that night oh, yeah <laughs> um that because that's that's my kind of shit and then, so while I'm going bonkers over my first ever Paul and Silas, I've never seen then, it, Jonathan. How many? That, that was your first. It. It's my first, first and only at that time. Yeah, and uh, first and only, and then uh, and then Tweezer, and uh, yeah, uh, just what a freaking set. Um, I don't know if I have the gas to get into it, but I, I'll probably be more brief than you guys. <laughs> so I'll just let's. So everything RJ said about the tweezer is undisputable and outstanding. And, you know, it, it's, it's a terrific journey, but whenever fish gets into space and particularly when it is like this, when it's an organic arrival, like, and, and I say that to distinguish it from something like what's the use or beneath the sea of stars, but not because those are not as good or in any way, just like when they organically arrive into these kinds of zones that yeah. the last five minutes mm -hmm. of this tweezer is, I am super there for it because it's not common. It's really not. And it's gorgeous. And yeah, it is very much like what minute 15 of wingsuit ought to be. Um, it is like it is exactly what i always want wingsuit to go to you know it is just a gorgeous perfect beautiful place and and i'm gonna just be real honest with you guys in 2013 i did not yet like golden age when this one started i was like oh, shit this song um <laughs> by the end by the time Piper started, I was like, eh, I guess I like Golden Age now. Yes, yeah. it won you over. <laughs> it yeah. did. Yeah, it's a great version. Yeah. Um, Paul and Silas, just really quick. Uh, this was 
this version, and then there's one more since this that has been played in Fish history, 722-2016. So extremely rare song. Jonathan was very lucky to get this. And I, it, it seems as though they came out intending to open with Tweezer and then saw these people are, you know, we're talking backstage, like, are those guys in jail cells? Are those guys, are those guys in uh, Waldo costumes? And, you know, decided to throw <laughs> Paul and Silas in there. So very, like, fun fish moment. Um, definitely a set break conversation had yeah. that, like, there was like, oh, do you yeah. remember this? We told this last year once. <laughs> right, right. Um, exactly. This Tweezer, uh, I mean, RJ said it all, so um, I'll just be, I'll be as brief as I can be. Um, you know, we have these two versions of Tweezer from 2013. And I think one of them, the one from Tahoe, has some of my favorite, not only band uh, back and forth connection uh, between like minutes 25 and 31, but also the band and fan connection. Like that is the birth of the Woo. And it's a very important moment in fish history, no matter how you feel about the Woo. The fact that spontaneously the band was playing a melody, they paused, the fan base reacted, and then the band engaged with them over a couple of minutes. Like that is one of the most special connective moments that has ever happened in fish history. And that was a true breakthrough and it is a stunning version. And anyone out there who says that is the best tweezer that has ever been played, like you are not wrong. Like that is one of the most joyous and important moments that's ever happened. For my taste, for my personal preference, this tweezer is right in my zone. And I love that we have this yin and yang of tweezers in this excellent year of fish where we hear in this version that kind of noise jamming that RJ is talking about. I went back and I listened to this yesterday twice because even though it's like imprinted in my brain and I can hear like, okay, Paige does this and then Trey does this and then Fishman's still hanging back and Mike throws these bombs down. Like I, it all, there's no surprises for me left when I hear a version like a jam like this because I've heard it so many times. I love it so much. But just going back and listening to it in the context of this series, things we were talking about last week and the week before, just in terms of the level of work and the level of commitment it took for the band to regain this type of um, jamming and this type of communication and to have this type of trust and ability to be patient on stage, even though something wasn't immediately happening, we weren't reaching a peak, we weren't reaching the bright white lights and everybody losing their minds. The fact that they hung in this zone for the majority mm. of this jam don't really peak anything and then give us five extra minutes of, hey, you guys don't realize this, but we're about to debut a new album. And this is kind of in the zone of the debut of the first song of the album. And we just love this musical space. And we have to give this to you. There, there's something about this jam that will always be in my heart is this is my favorite tweezer of the 3.0 era. This is to me, one of those jams that, whereas the Tahoe version showcases that they can play 30 plus minute jams again and it's really special stuff will happen this shows that they can get really weird and really dystopian and play in a style of music that is a bit uncomfortable for some listeners and really good stuff will come out of it and they're going to be okay on the other side and the other side just to wrap jonathan's note like so when golden age debuted uh, i mean i was thrilled because I loved that TV on the radio record, but I, I, I do think that they struggled to play this song for a while. Um, and they clearly tried to jam this song. But if you recall, there were a lot of versions that just like stayed in this very kinetic kind of hypnotic zone that didn't really lead anywhere. And so the band would play for like nine, 10 minutes and it would be just like a lot of like 
you know, aggressive connection, you know, um, not a ton of like resolution. And then they played this version and this version allows the band to play with minimalism. There's these like kind of high pitched chords that Trey plays with this sort of demented riff that Paige initiates around 1230, this kind of dissolving into space. Fish mm. brings everything back. They build up in this industrial manner. They fully leave the song golden age. And after this, we get an incredible version in Hartford. Uh, we get an excellent version in Chicago the next year, the Vegas 2016 version, the MSG 2016 version, the Baker's Dozen version, which is some of my favorite tray of the Baker's Dozen. Um, and then a number of versions since then. This year, 2023, had three excellent versions. The Seattle 414, the Derek Trucks version from SPAC, and the uh, Dayton, uh, Nashville version, excuse me, from 10.8. All just really solid out-of-the-box type two jamming that just wasn't really possible before this version of Golden Age. So Jonathan's sentiments about like, do I really want to hear this song right now? And then at the end, okay, I really want to hear that song again. Like this is kind of a crux version uh, for for Golden Age. But um, yeah, just stunning stuff. We'll get into the second half of the second set. But Meg, I want to give you um, a chance to, to talk about your, your thoughts on this tweezer and Golden Age too. Well, I think RJ said it so beautifully and I echo everything that he said and what you all have mentioned. There's so many beautiful moments in it. For me, there's like two things that really stand out to me that are kind of like indicative of this year. And that is, it's so conversational, this jam. It is so, no one's leading. I feel like it feels so Mm -hmm. like they're listening to each other in such an intense way. And I feel that so much when I've been listening to all this 2013 this week, there's a real ability to slow down and be incredibly patient and talk to each other and allow each each other to kind of inspire moments that I think is is new for 3.0 at this point. And the other thing is something that stands out to me in so many of the best jams from this year, there are all these moments that seem to happen either after a big peak or just a big crescendo. Like in this, in this one, there's not like a peak, but there's a big like build around like 15, 16 minutes in before it settles into the kind of wingsuit part. And I think that in a lot of these jams from this year, they allow themselves to settle in after that big moment. And that's often like when you find that really intimate space that's almost more special than anything that's come before it. And it reminds me that they must have been thinking a lot about like the destination of these jams isn't always the point, right? Like they feel very resolved because there's they're taking their time with them, but it's not every jam is not leading to a peak this year. And it's just so amazing because that's when they find those just really quiet spaces. And they find them so many times this year. And this tweezer is a perfect example. And I think of if they hadn't gotten comfortable with this kind of a space, we wouldn't have had like a 12, 30, 19, you know, which is my favorite 3.0 tweezer. You know, it wouldn't have happened if we didn't get this kind of stuff. And maybe that's because of wingsuit, right? I love thinking about this band moving towards this huge deal. I mean, think about what Wingsuit was for them. Like every year on Halloween, everybody's expecting them to cover another album and they come out and they play brand new stuff. Now it probably seems like not a big deal because they do it. It's just because they were so inspired by that, how that went. And to know that they were practicing that and getting ready for that and were so excited about this music. And then they come out and 
jam through it, it it's so kind of like what's going to happen in the future with fish. Like, right, they're going to have new material that pushes them in this jam space and increases their improv in a way that is is so exciting. So I really, when I listen to this tweezer, I just think of how much, like where the band was and how much it inspired where it was going to go forward. So I, it's a really important tweezer, I think. And the golden age that comes out of it, like, again, so many of these songs end in that like haze. There's just this like, kind of like dissolving feeling to so many of the songs. And then when golden age comes out and it goes into this like liquidy jam that's just a wash and like shifting melodies. It's so beautiful. I love it almost as much as the tweezer. It sounds at the end like there's a helicopter coming to save you. Like you're in the desert and you've been waiting. Like I know maybe you're at Burning Man and you've just been like suffering or something. And then this like helicopter is coming to save you, but then you don't know if you can like trust who's coming. You know, it's just like there's like this ominous feeling. I don't know. I love this golden age. It's really, you know, it's like hard to come after this tweezer, but it's pretty special. Yeah, the um, fish fishman plays uh, marimba lumina at the end of this thing. And like, mm -hmm. it's so, God, you know, that thing is on stage every night and they never go every to night. it except he gets up and like plays it a little in Mercury and like, I, I like that it was a little more utilized in this time frame. Um, mm -hmm. I know some people hate the thing, but you know, I, I I think that these things just open up opportunities for the band musically and sonically, and I really like what it where it led them or where they the places where they were when they found it necessary or useful to play it. So, um, and then Meg, I think you really captured that jam beautifully um i hadn't thought about the helicopters thing but i'm going to go back and listen to it and think about that now. um <laughs> but the it's followed by this piper which is uh if i recall yeah it's not jam charted this piper but i'll tell you what this piper is an absolute raging piper um, yeah always love to see this song i named a kid piper so obviously i'm a fan um and it is ballistic uh kind of jam it's absolutely amazing uh brief i think relative to the previous songs but really great stuff and then the jam just goes and you can kind of feel it taking shape into a whole other song or a whole other progression that everybody is really the band is really locked on and you know it gets a nice little chugly groove and everybody's just having a great time. We're all dancing. We're having a blast. And then suddenly you're, you're like, is this a song? And then they start singing, taking care of business. And the, there's a comment in here from SE that you guys could put up on the screen that is pretty accurate. The, the room blows up. People go nuts. I mean, this is yeah. one of those songs that you're like, maybe you don't listen to. But when it comes on the radio, you rock the fuck out. This is a great fucking <laughs> rock song. And oh, yeah. it's exactly how the band approached this. Because I can't imagine they practice this. But I can't imagine they need to because it's just straight ahead rock that you've heard a million times. If you were growing up in the 70s or the 80s and listening to classic rock radio, you know this song by heart. They clearly did. And they killed it. And the audience eats it up. We had it was one of, you know, it was a very, very high moment in my history of seeing fish. It was just so much fun. And, well, they are you know, so happy. I, when they're singing I've, it like they, they are, are so happy. you can hear their smiles yeah. right 
Yeah. Um, and I've talked a lot uh, in the series about, and, and other times about fun. And when fun is happening, that's when fish is happening. And it's yeah. just, it's just bursting out from the stage at this moment. And to be singing yeah. about like, you know, when you find the right guys and you're, and you, you know, then you're never work a day in your life and you're, you know, exactly. doing things you love with like your friend, like, you we know, love to that work they're at just nothing like, all day, nothing all day. Yeah. Like, you know, that they're just looking around, like being like, Fuck yeah, we did it. We're doing this. Here we are. We're, we're like, you know, we're just like Brian Brinkman in 2013. We're peaking, you know, it's just like, it's good shit. <laughs> This, I mean, you guys are all completely on it. And I, I remember the first time I, and I remember streaming this and when they go into taking care of business, like that explosion that SC is talking about inside the venue, like it, it's one of those, sometimes that energy does not translate to the screen. It's one of those where everything translates. You can see every arm in the air. You can see people yes. jumping up. You can see the place literally losing its mind and like expanding and congealing. Like it is, it is a fully transferable energy moment and the smiles on the band's faces. I mean, I think a lot about this, like Piper at this point is, you know, there are some really good versions, but a lot of Pipers are this like nine minutes of high octane adrenaline that then like transitions mm -hmm. to something else. And for them to figure out the segue into taking care of business, which is so seamless as is one of the best segs I've ever heard the band has ever played. Um, and to have it just work with so much energy and to have it be so much fun. And, you know, when I, when I hear them singing, taking care of business, I hear the full 30 years of fish that you guys are talking yeah. about the like, Oh my God, we made this work. But I also hear this band that has been spending the last couple of weeks writing songs and writing songs in a way that they hadn't in about five years. And they've talked openly that the Fuego sessions and the songwriting for that was some of the most democratic songwriting of fish's career. And that experience shapes the 30th anniversary year as much as the fact that fish was celebrating 30 years like that they were transitioning to this next phase of who they were they were presenting songs in a way that would become regular you know since 2013 we've heard so many new fish songs that it's hard to keep track of that mm -hmm. to me when i hear taking care of business it's like we're really putting the fucking work in right now and we're going to celebrate and we're going to enjoy it and we're going to savor this just like you guys are um it just, I mean, my, my notes for this are just, holy fuck, what a party, John fucking Fishman. Because, like, at times, he's just, like, yeah. he's not playing, you know, John Fishman is such a jazz drummer, but he's just playing rock music. And, like, sometimes it just feels good just to hear, like, his drums that loud. Um, I don't know, man. Like, well, the other thought I have about this is um, this is really emblematic when we talk about, like, what makes a really good second set. You have this rarity at the top of the set that nobody's expecting with some banter. You have very deep, dark, weird jamming in Tweezer and Golden Age. And you go into Piper, and at this point, the set can go in a, <clears throat> a multitude of directions. But instead, Piper goes into a one-time cover that is just like a peak moment of the entire year. And then we're going to transition into 2001 Sand Slave. Like, this is understanding the moment crafting a set list yeah. in real time that has flow that everything kind of like builds upon itself and comments on something earlier the sand in the 2001 these are standout micro jam versions like 
in an era when the micro gem was really coming back, fall 2013 is littered with like 1018 Rogue, sorry Meg, the 1019 Steam, <laughs> the 1025 Carini, the 1027 Fee in 2001, the 1029 Piper, and the 111 Sally. These gems that don't get to 18, 19, 20 minutes and don't need to. And that was a new, newish concept in this period of 3.0. There were a lot of nine to Micro 13 gems. minute versions of jams that were like the big jams in early 3.0. This is when we're getting to a point where you're going to get a 20 minute jam, a 17 minute jam, and then a nine minute jam that is still worth listening to because there's so many ideas mm. in there. So I say all this because like this Piper and taking care of business, it's an inflection point in both this set, but also the larger period in Fish where suddenly a second set of music doesn't just need to be anchored by one jam or by a gimmick yeah. or one bus stop. It's multiple parts that all, like you press play on Paul and Silas. I don't think I've ever pressed play on the second set and not listened to the whole thing because it's just always worth listening to as a full piece. It has perfect flow. I mean, the whole yeah. flow of this set is magic. And this is fourth quarter done totally right. Do some micro jams. You know, this another great like fade into 2001. And then they're playing with like distortion. They're just this a lot of 2013 too is like really sick funk with like weird kind of like distortion over it. And it's just so danceable. And I feel like this whole like fall tour and this show, like the whole fourth quarter, like this is what you want to do is get people just like dancing. Cause that's like a great balance to like some really deep jamming in the first half of the set. So I think that this, yeah. And the sand again, like a lot of distortion, they feel really dangerous in the sand. Like it feels like they're about to like fall off the edge, but they're doing it all over like the funk groove of sand. And it's, it's a really great version. And yeah, it's just kind of like buried here. It's like so great. It's just like dropped at the end of the set. Like, okay, we still have things to talk about it's amazing and then they come out with probably the perfect encore and yeah, you know it's someday you'll get it brian it's okay <laughs> you know they um you said it you know the challenge is to get people dancing i think at this point you know now we're at the end of the second set of the third night of the run the challenge is to keep people dancing because some of us yeah so true <laughs> um and they absolutely they they've got it somehow they still have 2001 and sand in their back pocket and this 2001 right. is great fishnet uh jam charts it and they mentioned the echoplex uh which is the delay unit that trey was mm -hmm. using at the mm -hmm. time and it brings to mind i would really like to talk to like Trey's guitar rig or the, uh, you know, the, the 99 Trey rig guy and like put together a feature on Trey's delay pedal usage over the course of 3.0. Cause he's been changing that stuff mm. a lot over the years and it has had significant impacts on the jams and his sounds over the past, you know, 10 years or what have you. Um, and it's huge in this particular 2001. It's a great, sand i think i like the 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 phrasing uh, dangerous because it has a really high tension um but you know still as you were talking brian only only nine and a half minutes but it just delivers it doesn't doesn't mm -hmm. let up it's pretty relentless and then we glide into this slave which i disagree with the take we heard earlier in the episode <laughs> i think it's a beautiful moment it is a different really moment uh, than what a Harry Hood delivers. Uh, it is all gorgeous, and it is 
exactly what we need because we are going to have to get into a car in Virginia um, after this show. Um, and then, yeah, great. Uh, I first saw Day in the Life in this room, so it was nice to get another wow. one in that room um, for the encore. So actually, that's not true. I first saw it at Deer Creek. Second time I saw it in that room. First time I they played in that room, Deer they Creek. played it in her. So yeah. was that the 619-95? Yeah, it was the second time they played it. Um, I forgot. Yeah, oh, yeah it was I the second there. time. But they, then they, then they I played forgot we were both at that they show. played that room. Yeah, it's a good show. Mm-hmm. Some nights Anyways. the Beatles are just the right pick. You know, yeah. it's, it's all you can play is the Beatles and then the greatest three minutes in rock. I, I will say the Slave, um, I when I when I was listening through this set, I was just like, okay, you know, Slave Slave second set closer. And then uh it's got some really unique chordal jamming from Trey. He kind of uh slides mm. off of um playing this like very, you know, the straight peak. Uh he's 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 employing a lot of chords, which was something that happened throughout this year a ton. Um I think about the Merryweather Post Simple, one of my favorite micro jams of the year. It's only like eight minutes, but man, there is some connection there and Trey refuses to solo in that jam. It's very, very cool mm. stuff. Um there's really earned peak. And it also made me think that like 2013, you know, to this point in 3.0, the band played a lot of these old big songs on a regular basis, but sometimes there was a sentiment of they were just playing these songs. They weren't really seeing if there was something new in there. Um, there's a, there was a comment that has always stuck with me after this show is specifically about the tweezer from, um, uh, the Baby's Mouth, which was a great blog at the time, um, and it's since gone away. And um, they talked about how during that tweezer, you can hear the band kind of poking and prodding around inside the history of fish and seeing what's left and kind of kicking around, like, mm. what, what do we have in here? And it's always something that has stuck with me about this show and this era, that there was a sentiment at this time that the band was... And you got moments that push back on this, like Dicks uh, the year before. But but were they just playing as fish to play as fish? Was there a nostalgic element to this, and that was the defining factor? This tour, this set, this period in Fish kind of kicks that aside, and it is suddenly a new thing that the band is trying to figure out. What else is there? They're writing new songs. They're jamming in new styles. As we go forward in this series, there are parts of every year that you can nitpick but ultimately what the band has been trying to do over the last 10 years is redefine the history of fish in a lot of cases and write new pathways and alternative endings and different diversions of who this band is for me as a listener it always starts in this period and it starts with a, with a set like this you know you can't put it in like one specific show or one specific jam but it's moments like this where they're realizing there's a lot more for us to say and we're just going to keep seeing what, what happens, taking those risks, and those are going to have earned peaks. Those are going to have earned resolutions. Um, they're also going to have a lot of moments of confusion, confounding choices. And that's part of the reason we continue to talk about this band is that they are trying new things every night. And you see a set like this, and you really realize around the time when they were doing that. So amazing stuff. Um, I... I was so happy to go back and listen to this set and then listen to a bunch of fall 2013 last night. I went through some of my favorite jams of the fall tour. Um, 
you know, the 1026 drowned in light, the 1029 uh, Dow Z's 20 years later, the 111 twist. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff from this tour that if you haven't listened to in a while, really rewarding stuff. Very different sound from what we hear from 2023 Fish. But without a tour like this, we just we don't see the band um, that we see today. Yeah, I you know I haven't listened to this show in a while, and I was, yeah, I was so glad to go back. This I would have picked this if this were my year, um, uh, and and largely because I was there. Um, I only saw you know I saw this run and I saw the eleven one show, um, which is my friend's birthday, and so we, you know, uh, he was there for the whole run. I took the train up that day after listening to wingsuit on the train that's um, awesome yeah which is you know it was a journey i listened to it multiple times uh, but i don't go back to this stuff too often i largely because hf pod has me looking back at so many other things i think it cuts into you know my like uh personal extracurricular listening to fish so i'm glad yeah. we landed on this one because uh, it's so good and it really is a big moment it is as big a moment as tahoe tweezer i think because tahoe Mm -hmm. tweezer was obviously huge you covered it very well earlier brian um i feel like this this tour is as big a deal as that one thing because Mm -hmm. you know tahoe tweezer stands out as a high point and a significant point in in the tour which i think is fine uh whereas this tour is just very high along, you know, the, 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 the bar is raised and they're getting over it regularly. And, uh, and this is where it begins. This is, and we will move into MSG where they play the coverless new year's run. Um, shout out to the 122913 down of disease. Meg was talking brilliantly earlier about Peakless moments that obviously returns to the Dalazi's peak, but it does showcase what silence in a big room does for fish and what Melody mm. does. Um, and then we're going to move into 2014, which um, interestingly has basically the same tour schedule as 2013, but it's a very different year in a lot of ways. Um, we're going to talk no about Hampton. that next week. No Hampton, more <laughs> that's, dips, that's <laughs> obviously a lesser year. No MSG. We get uh, the Miami run uh, the last time. Never a good idea. Never a good idea. Well, we'll debate that because there is um, some interesting stuff there. Um, But uh, we will get into that next week. Jonathan, do we have a show picked out for that? Are we still TBD? Ooh. We do not have a show picked out. (gasps) Okay. Do not. Do they play on Letterman? Because I might just pick that. I don't know. I haven't done my research it. yet. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll have one picked out uh, soon. Cool. We will be excited. There's a lot of diverging thought. I have so many thoughts about 2014 because it's uh, that year after the year, but also some really interesting mm. uh, next steps and hints at where the band was going. Um, but man, what a great show here. 10, 20, 2013. Thank you everyone for commenting and listening in. Um, uh, thank you all for bearing with my my AirPods um, as uh, I continue to deal with dial-up internet uh, in the 2020s. 
Um, <laughs> hope everybody has a pipes, great man. Sunday for those of you that uh, pipes, man, uh, pipers and pipes. For those of you who hung with us live, thank you for for hanging. For those of you who are listening, thank you for doing so and keep supporting Osiris Media. We really appreciate it. And keep calling our hotline. Those are awesome to hear your memories. It's so great. So please do keep doing that. We'll give you some notice about next week's show so that you can comment on that if you were there. Or you could leave us a 2014 general comment. And uh, yeah, that's all, that's I, all got. I got. with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.